Good morning. We're in the book of Romans. We started some time back. We're on our about our 23rd study as it is. We're in Romans 8. Last week we took a detailed look at Romans 8.28. This morning I want to look at a few verses in context with that. We spent our time together last Sunday considering just that 28th verse. And this morning I want to consider the context with the following verses. So if you're with me in the book of Romans, chapter 8, let's look once again at verse 28 before we go on. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now we see... And, and I, I know we went into detail, but we didn't cover everything in there. We see there, it says, to them who are called according to His purpose. These are those that love God. We love God because He first loved us. Because He first loved us, He called us according to His purpose. That's, that's stating. And because it's God... Because it's the one who has all power, the one who knows all things, the one who is the creator of everything, sovereign ruler of everything, we know that whatever he has purposed is for our good, don't we? We don't always see that good, do we? I can only imagine what brother, my brother Lee and his wife and Gene and his wife have gone through in losing one of their children. The Lord has blessed me with all my children. They're still, uh, they've become... My grandchildren, they've become productive adults. I've been very blessed. But I can't imagine, in, but in my imagination, I would think it would be very difficult to see the good in losing one of your own children. It doesn't always necessarily mean that the good is right then. When God says good to us for our good, he, he, he could be talking about for the good of those that we live with, for those who live in our house. He could be talking about for the good of us in eternity, in strengthening our faith in His Son, whatever those things may be. It could be for good for something that's not necessarily at that moment, but for another day down the street. Gene and his wife, the loss of their son, saw the good in that, in the ability and their ability to counsel, to comfort my brother and his wife when they lost theirs. Gene told me that. He says, now if you could think if there's anything good that I would see in my son's death, it was that I was able to counsel your brother when he lost his son. I was able to point him to Christ as Christ used somebody to point me to them, to him also. So we see that when we're talking about the good, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It's not necessarily something we're going to experience now. We know this to be sure in these words, for he who is God has purposed it. If God has purposed it, who or what can turn his hand? See, that's the problem with the God of the world. This, this, these religious folks who make up gods of their own imagination, they make them up, they make their gods up to be like man. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are sure and right. When we, those who have been enlightened by Jesus Christ and know who He is, when we say the word God, we're talking about God. One who deserves. One who is. Not one who might be. We're talking about the one whose purpose cannot be turned. 
Verse 29 confirms this very thing. Romans 8, verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, for whom God, the one who called according to his purpose, the one who caused his people to love him, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He's talking about those, those who he has called according to his purpose. He predestinated them to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. Why do we have to be conformed? Because we have full, we are full of sin. We have to be brought to perfection. We can't do that ourselves. Aren't you thankful we have a savior, a substitute who is perfect in our stead? One who took the sins that we deserve God's wrath for and made them his own? He's conformed his people, those that he predestinated, those that he foreknew to be the image of his son, that he speaking of his son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now God has predestinated, or predetermined as that word is, in his eternal purpose, that all for whom he is saved shall one day be just like his son. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Mark your spot in Romans, we're going to come back to it. Every child of God, everyone for whom Christ the for whom God the Son died for, for whom God the Son laid down his blood for, shall be conformed to be exactly like him. And who? And, and what is he? He's perfect, is he not? He's the spotless Lamb of God, is he not? He's spotless. There is no error in him. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. According as he hath chosen, oop, there's that word chosen again, that word called, chosen, called according to, the pur to his purpose, According as he hath chosen us in him, God the Father chose us in God the Son before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, in his love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. See how we're in the same family as Christ? See how we're being made to be conformed to the Son of God? I know we don't see that in this fleshly body we live in, but folks, someday we're going to put away this flesh. Someday God is going to deliver us from this flesh into His own presence, and we'll be just like His Son, perfect in every way, knowing all things. Can you imagine that, Bill? Silva. <laughs> My best friend is perfect in every way right now. <laughs> He knows everything right now. I'd love to have those conversations now with him. He and I would talk all day on the phone when I was driving around in the trucks. Boy, I tell you what, we talked about so many things of the Lord. He knows all those things. It was always a question. It was always conversations like, "Hey, you think this is what God's talking about here, or, or do you think you know what is what is this to be a question like conversation?" Bill doesn't have any questions anymore. He knows exactly how our Lord knows. He knows it all. We are going to be predestinated unto the adoption of children by Christ, by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, according to His purpose, as we read back in Romans 8.28. We'll be just like our Savior, as we just read. Look over at 1 John chapter 3, and let's read a couple verses over there. 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, we read these words in verses 1 through 3, talking about being conformed to the image of, of His Son. 
Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, conformed to the image of his Son, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We shall be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ his Son, that he, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Under the Old Testament law, the firstborn of the Lord was the Lord's chosen. All of those who were given, uh, that came into this world, the, the first one, the firstborn of every person born, was to be given to the Father, consecrated to the Father. Listen to the words of Exodus chapter 13, verse 2. He says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of a woman and a beast, it is of my, it is mine. So in other words, the oldest had the authority over all the sons, and they acted as the Lord's priest. Christ Jesus is the firstborn of the Father with regard to all of the creatures. Christ is the firstborn of all of God's sons. They are chosen in Him. Christ is the firstborn from the dead to die no more. He is the chief glory for all to be with Him, to be in Him, and like Him. Now back in our text, look at verse 30. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, then He also called. And whom He called, then He also justified. And whom He justified, then He also glorified. So we see three things here. Three things in this verse. The first thing we see is that He called those that he called. Men by nature do not love God, folks. We didn't come into this world loving God. It took God moving in a heart, cutting out that old heart that was stony and hated God, and giving us a new heart. He says, I will give you a new heart, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. That's what he tells us. By nature we don't love God. We will not come to Christ, but rather we love the darkness that we once walked in. We love the evil that we once walked in. In John 3.19 we read these words, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. In John chapter 5, verse 40 we read this, And ye shall not come to me, that ye might have life. Men won't come to God. We just won't. And here's the thing about what the Lord reveals to us in our hearts, we can look back and see that we wouldn't have. I know I would have never come to God. I know that if He had not come to me, I'd have kept right on going doing what I was doing. I liked what I was doing then. Aren't you thankful He changes our likes? Oh, I'm so thankful He changed my likes to come around and be with Him now. <laughs> oh, In John chapter 6, verse 44, we read these words, and we read this in Friday night's Bible study, as a matter of fact, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up to the last day. This is what God, this is what the apostle here is talking about. He's talking about those who are called, those that God predestinated, he shall call. If men are to come to Christ in repentance and faith, they must be effectually called with the power of God, just as Lazarus was called from the tomb of death. We must be called from the death that we once walked in. 
We must be made willing to believe. That's what we read in Psalms 110 verse 3. Thy people, it says, shall be willing in the day of thy power. So if you read that and you kind of think about that for just a minute, you'll see that it's not our will, is it? It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Isn't that what they just said? Thy, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Yeah, that's God's word right there. Galatians 1 verse 15, we read this, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Again, we see the work is of God, don't we? One more, if you don't mind, 2 Timothy verses one through one, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Who hath saved us, speaking of Christ Jesus, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We also see in that verse that we read a moment ago, it says he justified. That is, in other words, God forgives our sins. He has blotted out our iniquity and he makes us perfectly holy and righteous in his sight by the obedience and the sacrifice of his son turn over if you would turn back to Romans chapter 5 just a couple pages back to the left look back at Romans chapter 5 19 we're talking about the one who has made us justified in the sight of God look at verse 19 with me if you would for by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience. This is speaking of the one who justified us. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. One more if you would turn back again. Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, Paul is addressing the law. And he says in verse 19, Now we know that the things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's what the law does. The law makes all the world, every man, woman, and child, guilty before God. Why? Because not one man, woman, or child can fulfill the law. That's why we needed Christ. That's why we needed a Savior. Somebody who could. Therefore, by the, verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is, this is the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Folks, we are justified in our Savior. It also says in that verse, he says, he will glorify us. It means eternal glory. This is what the Apostle has been speaking of in these verses. Eternal good, eternal inheritance, eternal glory. He's talking about our union with Christ gives us the right and the title to all things. Look over back in our text, but this time look at verses 16 and 18 again. We looked at this just recently in Romans chapter 8. Look at verses 8, uh, 16 through 18. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. This is talking about us being conformed to the image of God. 
We who are predestinated by God the Father, we who, are, who will be called, we who will be justified, we who will be glorified, glorified in our Savior, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Did you know that right now God sees us in the glory of His Son? That's hard to believe, isn't it, for a sinner, isn't it? But He says He does. In the purpose and the view of God, we are already glorified in our head, in our representative, in Christ. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 46. I'll turn over there and, and read it for you. In Isaiah chapter 46, we read these words, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. That's talking about, remember what the pit that he drug us out of. Remember how we ran as rebels once before. Remember how he has changed our want-tos, our desires to seek after him. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. We are glorified in our Savior right now. Let's look at one more verse, shall we, before we uh, go to break. Look back in our text, this time at verse 31. What shall we say then? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? This question reaches back to all that has been just said in the preceding verses. What shall we say in addition to those things that we just said? We know that all things are for our good. We know that we love God because He first loved us. We know that He called us out of the darkness we once walked in. We know that He purposed for us to be conformed to the image of His Son. We know that He called us. We know that He um, justified us. And we know that he glorified us. So what shall we say then to those things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? If all those things we just talked about point to this very point, that God is for a people, who or what can be against us? You know, I, first thing that hit my mind when I really started to consider those words back when ever, I know I've considered them many times before, but first thing that popped into my mind was this not even John see there was a day when John turned away from the Lord every day every moment I would not come to him is not that what we talked about being coming to the light we would not come to the light yet the Lord has given me a new will in the day of his power he's come to each and every one of us and given us a new will a new spirit, a spirit that loves Him. 
Who can be against us? Not even that old John, if he were to appear again, could be against God. God's power is even above me. He's sovereign over everything about me. He's sovereign over my will. Nothing can be added to what we've said. What shall we say to these things? Nothing. What shall be inferred from these things? If God be for us in eternal love, in eternal grace, in divine calling, in substitution, in justification, if God has already accepted and glorified us in His Son, Christ Jesus, and it is determined, and He is determined to glorify us in Him, even the law can't be against us, can it? The law can't convict us again. Christ took our conviction on Him. Divine justice can't, can't be against Him. It is satisfied. Satan cannot be against Him. He is judged and cast out. This is the meaning of our confidence. Not unto us, O Lord, not in us, but in Thy name be glory and dominion forever. Amen.